Listener Production. Hello and welcome to Behind the Hits, the inside story on some of music's most iconic songs featuring stories from the artists who made them. I'm Lindsay Harriper. At first glance, it may not seem like Vance, Joy and Shawn Mendes have a lot in common, but after they were both tapped as support acts for Taylor Swift's 1989 world tour in 2015, these two singer-songwriters have become great friends. And let's face it, they both write great songs. In this episode of Behind the Hits, we'll take you inside the music of Vance Joy and Shawn Mendes, looking at just some of the songs that have made them both household names. It's the song that took Vance Joy's career from 0 to 100 in no time at all. But far from being an overnight success story, Riptide actually had a long incubation period over a number of years. I had the beginnings of this song in 2009 and uh, I kind of put it to bed and just let it sit there and I kind of would go to work, go to uni and I'd, I kind of have that melody rolling around in my head. I was playing on the ukulele and came up with the melody for the chorus and I, and once I had the melody there, I the words kind of came pouring out and... I kind of knew I had something special and something that I hadn't ever written like before and I played it to my mum, played it to friends and family and uh, got a good response and, you know, it was frustrating, you know, sitting there being like, I know there's something worthwhile here but I can't get it to work but, uh, you know, I honestly had forgotten about it and it was only later when that melody reappeared and I was like, actually, I got a puzzle piece back three years ago and uh, this is what all that came to. Riptide peaked at number six on the ARIA charts and spent 123 consecutive weeks in the top 100. The song was one of the first Australian songs to hit one billion streams and it's popped up in a bunch of films and TV shows, including Grey's Anatomy, Hawaii Five-O, Neighbours and Home and Away. The song's also been used in ads for Medibank, Toyota and GoPro. Now, all of those things sound great, and they are, but you know you've well and truly hit the big time when Tay-Tay covers your song. It came as no surprise to anyone that Taylor later tapped Vance as her support act on the 1989 tour throughout the US, UK and Australia. You're listening to Behind the Hits. I'm Lindsay Harriper and we're taking a closer look at the hits that have taken Vance Joy to the world stage and a long way from working in a call centre selling university degrees. You know, I always had that blueprint or that kind of vague idea that I'd rather be doing music like full-time than working in the call centre or whatever I was doing in it um, outside of music. But I guess it really just comes down to how many gigs you're getting and, you know, like it's pretty fortunate to be busy as a muso and then we had this kind of schedule where it was like filled up with heaps of gigs and supports and whatever and kind of, I guess, obviously having a song like Riptide, which is just opened a lot of doors, it was like just kind of riding it, riding the wave. So uh, it kind of just happened and then eventually I was like, oh, I I can't work and I called up the call centre and I was like, I can't come in. As well as being a gifted singer-songwriter, Vance was also a promising AFL footballer and he had a law degree. It sounds good on paper, but when you like get really specific, um, I wasn't like the greatest footballer ever and I also wasn't, um, I kind of just like just got through my law degree, but doing those things helped me kind of realise that music was kind of like something that I should be doing instead of those things. Messy's Mine was the third song to be released from the album Dream Your Life Away and according to Vance, it was a mismatch of ideas from other songs he tossed aside. It's funny, like I, I try and write stuff into my phone and re- record voice memos but usually the, the ones that are good will just stay in your head so uh, I think that's the overall overarching rule is just if it's good it'll stick around and come and show itself one day. In writing the song Vance reckons he was trying to evoke something similar to the Beatles. There's a line which is like you still make sense to me your mess is mine and like 
you uh, bring me to your house and it's kind of like you're going to this girl's house and it's messy and you're like I don't mind and it's kind of like the world I was trying to create was kind of a bit like uh, Norwegian wood like the Beatles it's like you know she shows you a room isn't it good that kind of idea I don't know that's the atmosphere and the, the setting that I had in my mind but I like that people kind of I guess can get attached to it and have their own thing like Riptide, Messy's Mine also featured on a number of films and TV shows, including the first season of 13 Reasons Why on Netflix. Released in January 2018, Nation of Two was the second album for Vance Joy and it debuted in the top spot on the ARIA chart. In what seems to be a reoccurring theme, Vance says Lay It On Me came out of nowhere, but the end result surprised him. I wrote it in Malibu and... Um I was like, oh, and then I was listening to the demo and I was like, oh, this is feeling cool. And uh, so that's always exciting when you write a new song and you're like, you like it. Vance had the opening guitar riff for the song locked in his brain for years and he'd nearly given up on it until one day it all just fell into place. And I went in with this guy, Dave Bassett, and he kind of responded to that riff and yeah, it kind of just took shape really quickly. And later that day I listened to it and I was like, oh, wow, this works. Oddly enough, that's something that doesn't mess with Vance Joy's head too much, especially after some words of wisdom from Australian music royalty Bernard Fanning. And he said something about like, you know, you hit roadblocks all the time, but it's like just the obstacles and you can push through them and you know, just you kind of the party work and the more you I guess willing to chop songs up and kind of not think and think I guess open-minded about songs. Uh, every challenge you get is just an obstacle that you can overcome. So that was good advice. On Behind the Hits, I'm Lindsay Harriper, and we are looking at the career of Sean Mendes, which started with his official debut single, Life of the Party. The song appeared on Sean's self-titled EP in 2014 and also on his debut studio album, Handwritten, which dropped in 2015. Life of the Party was, well, let's just say it wasn't the life of too many parties. It didn't set the world on fire, even though it entered the Billboard Hot 100 at number 24, which at the time made Sean the youngest artist to have their debut single crack the top 25. Stitches was the third single from Handwritten and the first song to really put Sean Mendes on the map, charting in 30 countries, taking out the top spot in the UK and peaking at number four in the US and Australia. But the song almost never happened. Sean apparently had the word stitches written in his phone and gave that idea to writer-producers Teddy Geiger and Daniel Parker, who soon turned that idea into a song. It's the song that introduced 16-year-old Sean to a whole lot of people, even leading to an acoustic collaboration of the track in 2015 with Hayley Steinfeld. Released in 2016, Treat You Better was the first single from Sean's second album, Illuminate, an album that saw Sean collaborating on songs with numerous other writers. For me, the same kind of five guys came up to the studio with me and some of my best friends, um, and we just talk about like the deepest things in our life, and it just all comes out. Even though you know I'm the, I'm the singer and they're about me, 99% of the time they're about all of us. And sometimes there'll be a lyric or something I'll say and it triggers something in, in one of the writers' mind where they're like very emotionally attacked by it. And I'm like, that's incredible because somebody my age wouldn't have felt that. That means we have to put it on the record because that's now creating a generation thing. Treat You Better saw Sean teaming up once again with songwriter-producers Teddy Geiger and Scott Harris who both work with Sean on Handwritten. Of his own songwriting, Sean says by the time Treat You Better came out, he developed a very specific artist approach. I started when writing songs 
creating the melodies in my head, I'd play the guitar and I'd sing the melodies inside of my head and not out loud because if I sang them out loud, it would stop me from doing certain melodies because I could, thought I couldn't sing it. So I do it in my head and kind of let the creativity happen to its furthest. Then I don't give myself an option and I, I force myself to sing that melody because it's the one you chose. They're just more unique. It's pure creativity, no judgment. The song cracked the top 10 in multiple countries around the world, but the song's success seems to have come in other ways. Namely, the video which highlights women trapped in abusive relationships. In what is perhaps a nod to Sean's character, remembering he was only 17 when this was released, the video ends with contact details for a national domestic violence hotline in the US. By the end of 2020, the video for Treat You Better had racked up more than 2 billion views on YouTube, putting it officially in the top 50 music videos of all time. Also, by the end of 2020, Sean had released his fourth studio album, an album he's described as being the essence of the type of music he wants to make, including the album's low-key intro. I wrote the intro, the piano thing, before I wrote any of the songs for the album. I started writing songs and I felt lost and I was like, what am I doing? And then sat down, I had this one piano thing that I was very sure of. And then I say, you've been a million different places, so give yourself a chance. Get lost in Wonderland. And I think it was a message to myself being like, look, man, like you've been doing this for like six or seven years now. Like, Give yourself a chance to be free, be unapologetically you and be sincere and be honest and be kind and let the world take it how it is. And so Wonderland is a metaphor for that internal freedom. Nowhere is that sense of personal reflection and self-awareness more evident on the album than on the song Monster. Sean's collaboration with Justin Bieber, someone he'd idolised since he was just nine years old. Sean initially wrote Monster in 2017 as an observation on social media, how people use it to put others on a pedestal which then creates unrealistic expectations. He wanted the song to convey that humans are messy, we don't need to be perfect, but we need to be there for each other to help get back up. He believes it's one of the most personal songs he's ever written. There was loads of secrecy around the identity of Sean's co-performer on Monster, which led to lots of speculation and rumour until the name Justin Bieber was confirmed, ironically on social media, just a week before the song's official release. Justin's credited with co-writing the song along with several other Canadian songwriters and producers. For Sean, the success of their collaboration wasn't due to the fact that they were all Canadian. It was simply about being the right fit. The truth is, is that, you know, some people you meet and you click with them in minutes, but other people you just don't. And to create a great song, I think you need to get to a place with a person where you're both completely open and you're not scared. I'm Lindsay Harriper, and you've been listening to Behind the Hits. This episode was written and produced by Dave Carter. Audio production by Mike Santos and Dan King. Listener.